0: Amen. A call to persevere. Say persevere. persevere. Our text this morning will come from several places, and I want to give you those so that you can write them down. Because I know many of you as scholars, students of the word, you write them down. And I encourage you, man, write it down, take some notes, and take it, meditate on it, study it, and preach it, teach it better than even we heard it today. Amen. That's what I believe and want you to do. You know, they always say, I've heard someone say, you know, a message really hasn't been really taught or preached until at least a 100 times, glory to God. So this is only the first time right here. So we got so much time that we can just go ahead and just teach it and preach it. But here's your references. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Also, we're going to look at, as time permits, we have Jeremiah 29, 11, will be one of our favorite scriptures. I know you love that. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 as well. So let me give you those again. It may be some other scriptures as we go. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25, New Living Translation, Jeremiah 29, 11, 1 Corinthians, we have chapter 9, 24 through 27. All right? So I'm going to share some things with you that I believe will truly bless you, will minister to you. To persevere, to persevere. But our theme this morning, if I can give you that, let me give you our theme. Our theme this morning is this, that it's not about how you start. You know, we all start things, but guess what? It's about how we what? How we finish, you know? And so a lot of times you'll see people in a race, man, and the coaches tell them, come on, don't give up, don't quit, or anything in life. You know, you start something, even with jobs, you say, man, I got this job, it's a great job, but listen, don't quit just because you don't like it, persevere, you know, and then believe God for something else, but don't just quit, don't be a quitter, praise God, don't be a quitter, say, I'm not a quitter. And what we have been called to do this morning as the body of Christ when it comes to spiritual things, you and I have been called to action. Everybody say action. We've been called to action. So that means that there should be a corresponding action. We should be doing something and not just standing still. Well, so let's read together. Now, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and so we'll have it up on the screen, but this is our text. But turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Some of you may have the New Living Translation. If you don't, that's okay. It'll be right behind me. But in your translation, you'll follow along with me. I just like how it reads, and we're going to break it down and talk a little bit about it i just like how it reads in the new living translation all right so let's begin looking together as you see it's right it's up right behind me on the screen all right a call to persevere here's what it says new living translation and so dear brothers and sisters we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of jesus by his death jesus opened a new and says and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Ooh, that's good. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the days of his return are drawing near. Oh, man. And so you can see in each of the topics that we're going to give you today, it says let us let us so I want you to see this how important it is that we come together and do exactly what the Lord has encouraged us to do or at least to be thinking that way moving that way and action moving in action towards towards it but let me give you the definition of what it means to persevere Webster defines persevere as this to continue doing something or trying to do something even though it's difficult how many of have ever tried to do something that's been very difficult Sure. And you continue to do it. That means that you are persevering. That simply means that you didn't quit. You didn't give up. Hey, this is difficult, but I'm going to stay with it. It's difficult. I'm not going to quit. Even though I feel like quitting, I'm not. But also as we look this up, the verb, I want you to look at the verb. I want you to listen to what the verb says. It's an intransitive verb. It says to persist in a state. So now it's talking about being persistent. Ooh, I like those terms. But then it says enterprise or undertaking in spite of, say in spite of. Now, this is a long word. In spite of counter influences. So you know what will happen? There will be things that try to counter. You know, like, just like when you play chess. Have you ever played chess before? Or you play checkers. And then you move, and then there's a counter move, you see? So what happens as you move into action, what's going to happen is that the enemy will try to have these counter influences or counter moves to try to hinder you, to get you off your track, to get you to stop running your race. But we're not going to quit. Can you say amen to that? Because even though there's opposition or disappointment, we're going to continue to go forward. We're going to persevere. We're going to persevere. It's almost, it's also, let me say this, synonymous with these words. When we say persevere, it means this, to carry on. So when you hear the terminology to carry on, we're saying, listen, persevere. When you also hear to persist or to gut it out. Have you ever heard that before? A lot of times, and, and when you're playing sports, the coach will say gut it out. Just gut it out. Now, moms say things too you know, when, when, they're, when they're dealing with their kids, you know, when they want to quit things, and, you know, and, and just not want to do things as they should be doing. I'm not going to use that, that terminology this morning, but, I, but it's good, okay? It's just that, you know, they have their own little terminology and things. But how about this one, hang in there? Come on, have anybody tell you, hang in there? Come on, just hang in there. No, I don't want to. Like maybe you've taken a class before or maybe, maybe you started something uh, and you're like, oh, man, halfway through you're like, Man, I wish I never did this. I wish I've never started this. And then someone comes along to encourage you. And guess what they say? Hang in there. Don't give up, right? Hang in there. Or how about if you've ever dated someone before? And man, you said, man, that person was just a knucklehead. Right? Come on. But you liked them anyways. <laughs> don't look at me like that. And you say, well, I'm just going to hang in there. Oh, right, right. Okay, See, see, okay, you don't want to talk to me. Okay, that's okay. Oh, no, I don't know about that, Pastor. Oh, no, man, man, I dropped him, man, like a hot potato. Are you kidding me? Okay, that's all right. But I know some of you hung in there. You say, how do you know? Because you're still married today. Come on, somebody. I wasn't talking about you. Okay. A knucklehead. Okay, here we go. But uh, we all need prayer. Praise God. Here's a biblical definition. Listen to this. The biblical definition, of definition says this. To persevere means keep going through a hard time without giving up. Oh man, come on, that says a whole lot right there. For a believer, Because just because we're going through a hard time, that doesn't mean we throw in the towel and we give up. We are going to go through, notice again, go through hard times. We're not going to stay in hard times, we'll go through them. We have an enemy. We have this world around us, and everybody doesn't like you, whether you think they do or not. I believe, and I go into every situation and every conversation like you like me until you tell me you don't like me. And then even when you tell me you don't like me, I'm still trying to get you to like me. Mm-hmm. That's just me. That's just the way it is. You know. But I'm telling you that it, sometimes it may not work, but that's okay. But how many know that you're running a race? Yeah. Okay, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter nine. How many have ever run track before? Yeah. Or you've seen people run track. Okay. So First Corinthians chapter nine. Let's turn there together. And this won't be over our heads, but this is just to be something I want you to turn to and look together in your Bible. I'll be reading from the message translation. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. And the message translation it says simply this. And this is talking about running the Christian life. Say run. It says this. You've all been to the stadium and seeing the athletes race everyone runs one wins run to win all good athletes train hard they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades you says you're rather after one that's gold eternally your medal i don't know about you but i'm running hard to the finish line i'm giving it everything i've got Not sloppy living, no sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Wow. We're talking about running our race. Well, let's look at our first point. If we're we're looking at verses, Hebrews, excuse me, 10, 19 through 21, let's look at verses 19 and let's go back to there, 19, 20, and 21 together. Let's turn back there. I want you to see this and then we'll begin to capture the four or five points specific calls to action I want to give you this morning. This first part is so significant and I don't want us to miss this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. This is what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, say boldly, Boldly. we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and lit, listen, life-giving way through the curtain, listen, the most holy place, say holy place. And it says this, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, it's talking about that we should be able to enter in. Now here's point number one, let us, are you ready? Write this down. Let us draw near, let us draw near, number one, we we'll call the persevere. Verse 22, as we continue reading, It says, let us go right into the presence of God. Go right into the presence of God. How do we go into the presence of God? This is what it's saying. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience. Then it says, have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Say, make us clean. That's what it did, and our bodies have been washed with pure, pure water. Now, let me share with you the idea here so that we get an understanding when we talk about going into the presence or into the holy place. You see, when we talk about drawing near to God, for most of us, it's like, hey, that seems like you know, it's a normal thing to do, especially in biblical terms when you draw close to God. But understand this, that to the Jewish converts of the day, when they were being taught this, they they used, listen, they were used to the Jewish Levitical law. And in the Levitical law, what would happen, listen to this, that only the high priest was able to go, and that was one time a year on behalf of the people. And as they went in, what they would do, of course, the, the priest had to be prepared and ready to go in. You just couldn't walk into the presence of God. You couldn't just walk into the holy place of God. And not only that, but they would draw near to God in the holies of holies. And that he would do it once a year, but listen to this, and sprinkle the sacrifice, the blood. And then what's so significant about this is that he had to be in preparation. His heart had to be clean. Come on now. I mean, his life had to be right. So because if he did not, if it was not, even as he went in, what would happen? His life would be consumed. And they said that they would have bells around, you know, uh, on the bottom of what their the robes or they, what they were wearing. And some have even said they had a rope, a rope that would be around their ankle. Because you say, you know, just in case, just in case the priest wasn't doing what the priest was supposed to do. Guess what? They're here. No more bells. They weren't ringing. And they tugged on the rope. Nothing, no tug was back. Pull them out. I'm telling you, it's amazing that today, though. Understand what has happened, that Jesus Christ once and for all went and presented himself, shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that we can enter into the holies of holies, that the curtain was rent in two, it was torn in two, that was holding us back, and now we don't need a Levitical priest to go before us. We can step right in ourselves when we present ourselves correctly before God. Oh, now the responsibility is on us. Whoa, wait a minute now the responsibility is on us to prepare ourselves how do we prepare ourselves can i tell you this that one of the things to do in preparing ourselves is that that in making preparation is we have to spend time before god we we have to go to god and not just want something from him but go to him and wanting to spend time just fellowshipping with the father And just saying, we love you. Lord, Father, I'm not coming to you for anything other than to let you know how much I love you and I care about you and what you've done for me. You know, in the natural sense, let me tell you this. How do you get to know someone? If Nick and I, you know, of course, I just met him and all of a sudden I want to get to know him. And then, I mean, can I get to know him if I just spend two minutes? I mean, say, okay. Then I say, well, I know him. Would that be accurate? No. You see, and I'm telling you. And so what happens is that I've got to spend time with him. I need to spend more than just two minutes. I need to spend more than just two hours. I, it's a continual continual process that he would need to spend more time with me in order for us, us to get to know each other so we can pray for one another so that we can listen so we can believe God together to do things in our lives so how is it then that we sometimes as believers think that we can just go to God five minutes come on now and just think we've spent time with him in his presence no we have to learn how to get before God and sit before him wait on him worship him Praise him. Give him thanksgiving out of our hearts without any agenda. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. And then just hang out and let him love you back. Man, that's good. That's how we enter into his presence. You see, because when you're in the presence of God, can I tell you this? A lot of times, man, we we go around wanting people to help us solve this and solve that. Do you know the answer to this and the answer to that? But I tell you, when you spend time with God, when you get into his presence and you just wait on him, I tell you, the answers just seem to come just like that. But a lot of times, you see, we don't want to do that. It's cost us too much. It costs us our time. But we're not thinking about what he did. We're not thinking about that, the time and the sacrifice that God the Father made and the sacrifice that the Son made, that Jesus made for us. Oh, no, we dismiss it. It's not that important. I just want what I want. But not realizing that, oh, when you enter into the holies of holies, It's a sacred place. It's a precious place. It's a place that we go in because we've been able now to present ourselves, come on, and preparing ourselves to draw near to God. But can I tell you this as well? When you go to God, we must go also in faith. That we go to God in faith, believing, Lord, that you have sprinkled through your son, sprinkled your blood the blood of Jesus to wash us and to cleanse us once and for all. So we have access now. Listen, we have access to enter into the holies of holies. If you and I, if we do not believe That the blood of Jesus was good enough for us. And if we're walking around condemned and defeated all the time, that's not faith. That's not stepping into the holies of holies with a confidence and a belief on the inside of you that God will hear your prayers and that God will minister to your needs. You know why? Because what happens is our hearts are not right with God. Now, God has already done everything he's going to do. What we have to do is receive it and allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to wash us in the washing of water by the word. This is why we need to sit under the word. This is why we need to hear the word and be taught the word so that it cleanses us. It's just like this being water baptized. When we're water baptized, we begin to understand everything that's taken place in our lives. We begin to understand that we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we're saying that, listen, when he died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he raised, I was raised with him. And therefore, you understand that you are washed in the blood of Jesus, but also you understand that you have been baptized and washed and made clean and whole. Can you say amen to that? Man, if that doesn't give you faith, if that doesn't give you, the place you in a position that I can step right into the presence of God and just receive from him and just bless him, I don't know what will. I don't know what will, because if anything is keeping you out of the presence of God, it's not on God's part. It's on ours. Come on now. If anything is keeping us out, it's not on his part. God, the father has done everything that he's going to do. He's given us access to enter into the holies of holies. Praise God. And so when Jesus died on the cross, we know what he did. I'm going to give you the second, the second point. The first point was, let us draw near. But here's the second one. And when we draw near, let me, let me share this with you, that we have to draw near with the right attitude. Everybody say attitude, okay? But then it goes on and says, and let us hold on. A call to persevere is that not only do we draw near, but we have to hold on. Again, you know, we have to, it says here in verse 23, which should be right there in Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me. I know I have the New Living Translation, but it says this, let us hold tightly without wavering, to the hope, or we could say the confidence, we affirm. In other words, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Go to God. So we have to hold tight. We just can't give up. Yeah, you may be going through a hard time. You may be going through a difficult season in your life. But I encourage you this morning to hold on, to hold tightly to what God has said in his word, and not to give up, not to give up. Now, this is so neat. Let me read this to you about the Greek, the Greek word, the term for here, it's about holding on. It says this, that the Greek word is used here, and write this down, is a nautical term, nautical term. So this is what's so cool about it, because it's used for steering a ship on a straight course. So when it says hold on, it's just like a ship that's staying on course, not getting off course, but going straight. It's a nautical term. But then also, not only is it a nautical term, listen to this. Today, you know pilots, when they fly planes, when they fly the planes and it guides them by their steering, the plane, it says, according to, it's called vectors. Everybody say vectors. And that vector, what it does is it's an instrument, and it keeps them on a straight line. It keeps them on a straight line. And so when you think about this, and here's the application that's so neat about us, that if we'll hold on. And if we're not veer to the right or veer to the left and we just go straight and continue to do what God has called us to do, the promises of God will come your way. But we just can't quit. We just can't give up. Do you know that a pilot can actually keep, he can set his instruments and leave it right there as we talked about here dealing with vec- the vectors and that plane can land itself. I'm telling you, it's amazing. So here's the thing. Why is that important to us? Why is it important for us to hold on? Why is it important for us to not turn to the right or turn to the left? Because when you hold on to God, you realize that God is a covenant-keeping God. And what he said in his word, that you're going to stay with it, regardless of what's happening around you, you're not going to quit, and you're not going to give up. So we, first of all, we've drawn near. See, us? we're already now, we, we've drawn near. We're in, we're in, we entered into the holies of the holies. Now we're going to hold on. God, We're going to hold on. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. No matter what comes our way, no matter what's happening to us or to our family or anything that concerns us, we are not going to quit. Amen. We're going to persevere. Yeah. We're going through. Say, I'm going through. Praise God. And then I want to go to number three. Number three is this. This is what we should be doing. Everybody say, let us. Let us consider how. How to what? How to motivate. We're we're talking about how to motivate. This is verse 24. Let us consider how to motivate, or I like to say it this way. Let's consider how to spur one another along. Let's consider how we should encourage. Everybody say encourage. So to motivate someone that may be going through a difficult time, how do we do it? And then what should we have in mind? What should be our mindset? And so the verse says this, verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Notice this, we have to do this together. Let us, all of us, say us. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So understand this. If I'm not loving someone enough, if I'm not doing enough good deeds, and if you know someone that's not doing enough, come on now, can I talk to you this morning? Are you, are you ready for this? If, if you know someone, you say, man, they're not doing enough, they're not doing enough good deeds, let me, let me share this with you. Don't complain about it. Oh, I know that's one of the first things we do. Can I say that again? Say don't complain. No, no, no. Don't, criticize. don't criticize. What you want to do is provoke them. See, you want to provoke them, you want to spur them on, you want to encourage them to do good things. Anybody can criticize, anybody can stand back and point out somebody's fault and what they're not doing, but it takes a mature believer, a Christian that loves that person enough to say I'm going to spur you on. I know that you're going through a difficult time, I'm going to encourage you. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to blame you. For this but I'm going to say come on, we can do this together. I want to encourage you. what has God called you to do. Come on, let's work together. Let's do this better. We can do this better. And then that's better, that's better than coming some, from somebody that's talking to you and complaining about oh you never do this and you never do that and this and that. Come on, who wants to hear that? Nobody wants to hear that. But that happens even in the body of Christ. And then you wonder why people don't want to do anything in the body of Christ. We all have a responsibility. Say so we all have a responsibility. So this is a job. Say, this is my job job. to encourage one another. another. All right. Because you know what happens? Because in the body of Christ, many believers say, that's not my job. So you just said, this is my job. So we got you committed, didn't I? I did, didn't I? You know what we say? You know what we think? It's the leader's job. That's That's not my job. It's the leader's job. But that's not true. Because the Bible says, let us. Let us is not talking about leaders only. Let us is talking about all of us. To encourage one another. Say encourage. All right. I want to provoke you to love. I want to encourage you to do things. I want to talk to you about being significant. I want to talk to you about being a blessing. I want to talk to you about helping people. I want to talk to you about caring for people. I want to talk to you about praying for people. See, I'm provoking you. I'm encouraging you. But it shouldn't just come from leadership. We should be able to cross the aisles. We should be able to look at one another in the pew. We should be able to call one another up and say, how are you doing? Are you having a tough time, a difficult time? I just call to encourage you today. I just Want you to know man that I know you know God loves you but I love you too and I'm praying for you man do you know how that makes that person feel that makes them feel like wow that is so awesome that somebody would call me and think about me and tell me hey I'm praying for you man what a blessing what a blessing so I'm encouraging that's what we need to do let's go to number four number four let us not give up Ooh, mercy let us not give up this is verse 25, A. So I'm taking, I'm taking 25 and I'm breaking it down into two, two parts. The first part of verse 25 says this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let us not neglect. Say neglect. Our meeting, listen, our meeting together as some people do. And I will tell you that when these words were written, think about this, the church had barely started. Amazing. Think about it. If you think about the early church we're talking about and they're giving instructions to the early church and they're encouraging them on, they're spurring them on and they're saying something so significant as this. They said, hey, remember this. Let us not neglect. This is a call. This is a a call to persevere. They're saying, let's not neglect the meeting. We got to continue to get together. We've got to continue to come together. Let us not neglect the coming together. And it says here, as some people do, that's not going to be us. We are going to come together. We are going to worship together. We are going to pray together. We're going to hang out together. We're going to do things together. Let us not neglect. Then why does it happen? Why does it happen? I'll share a few things with you. Okay? And sometimes it's not just that simple. It's not. But listen to this. Why do some people stop coming to church? Why do some people stop, listen, encouraging one another? Why do some people stop hanging out, you know, uh, and spurring one another on? I submit to you a few things, and these are not the only, but I'll tell you the first is this, not spending time in the presence of God. That's number one. Let me tell you why. Because if I'm spending time in the presence of God, and I'm worshiping him, I'm making time for him in my life, and I'm studying the word, then guess what? Anything that's connected to God, his people, his church. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. I'm going to want to be around it. I'm going to want to have something to do with it. I want to be in his presence, and I'm, as I'm in his presence, as I'm worshiping him, I'm learning from him, I'm receiving from him, and then my heart is going to go out Listen, to one another, to my brother and sister in Christ, I am going to look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Come on, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever there's service. I'm going to look forward to connecting with you. First, number one, because I'm spending time in the presence of God. And, being, and listen, in the presence of God also means spending time in his word. Because if I'm not spending time in his word or in the presence of God, I'm not going to want to really want to do much, listen, with the things of God. Can I talk to you this morning? I'm really not. I mean, I'm mean, i just making it really plain, okay? Because think about this. We can talk about natural things. If I say this, can I talk, let's talk about working out, right? Listen, we all talk about working out. I know I do. And they always give me a hard time. you always talking about working out. Meanwhile, I'm eating cupcakes and all this other stuff. But anyways, but we're talking about it. But can I say this on a serious note? We talk about going to the gym. But do you know talking about going to the gym and not going to the gym is not going to make a difference? And you're like, I can talk about it all day long. And I can want to lose weight. I can want to get in shape. But you know what? It's not going to happen until I commit. Till I make a commitment to go. Till I make a commitment to sign up. Till I make a commitment to go after I sign up. Till I make a commitment that I want my money back after I sign up. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. Listen to me. To make a commitment to walk through those doors. To make a commitment. Just begin to exercise. It's all, I believe, is parallel. When you make a commitment to Christ, you're making a commitment to the body of Christ. Nowadays, what has happened? What has happened to the church? You know, if I'm saying that, hey, you know, I'm for you and you're for me, I'm thinking like, wow, what's going on? It it seems like if I'm in the presence of God, I'm spending time with God. The moment the doors open, every time they open, I'm coming, man. I want to know what's going on. I want to pray. Even if I'm just worshiping, Just a moment of that service, just spending time in worship. I'm there because I want to be around the things of God. Here's another one. I said this, not spending time in the word. Did you get that? Yes. Now, let me give you something else. The reason why some people also, they don't spend time, they'll continue to, to fellowship together is because people have been hurt by other people. Can I say that? Yes. Or if not hurt, how about irritated? Irritated. You know, like rubbing up against something that irritates you. Have you ever had like something in the back of your collar or something, a shirt, and, or, you know, something that irritates you and you're messing with it all day long and you're scratching because this irritates, right? Something on your pants, leg, anything like that irritates you. Or someone in the congregation irritates you. Oh, okay. So y'all really got that look like I'm holy now. You ain't talking to me. Can I talk to you this morning? Listen, can I tell you that? Here's, here's what happens. Here's another one. D. We just get out of the habit. We get out of the habit of coming to church. Get out of the habit. And we treat church, like I said, like a gym. We get out of the habit of going to work out. We get out of the habit of going to church so we don't go. We just don't show up. Can I make it plain for you? But you know what hurting people do? People who hurt, guess what? They hurt others. So why should we then, why should we know that if someone is hurting, we can treat it this way. Let me say, I call these people porcupine-like Christians. Porcupine, you have to say porcupine. Porcupine. Because some people, they're hurting, and when they're hurting, they're like a porcupine. And those quails, man, go, and they shoot right into you. And you're like, ouch, and you get hurt. Come on now. See, it's what happens. And and, and I try to remember, I know. And then all of a sudden, you're trying to help them, and you're pulling these quails out, you're pulling these hurts out, just keep pulling them out. Just keep pulling, because they're hurting. You say, what do we do, pastor? Let me give you another name for some people like this. I want you to write this down. These people are called EGR people. EGR people. Write it down. It's so important. You say, what does that mean? These are people that need extra grace required. That's what they need. Simple as that. Come on now. EGR people. Extra grace required. So if I know that I need extra grace, then I know that they need extra grace. Yeah. So with all their hurts, with all their pain, guess what I'm going to do? I still accept them. Yeah. Amen. I don't fall out. Don't fall out encouraging you. It's true because here's what happens. If I'm spurring you on to hang out, to get together to fellowship, the last thing I want to do is lose you. The last thing I want, you're my brother. You're my sister. I want to fellowship with you. Yeah, we're all going to go through different valleys and different times and seasons in our life. But man, I tell you, that is not the time to give up. Yeah, you may be a porcupine, but that's okay. We'll pull out the quails. That's okay. We keep on going. You may need extra grace required, but we just keep on going. What do I do? Lord, give me the grace so I can extend the grace. And he will. Don't give up on people. Say, I'm not going to give up. And here's the last one. Let us encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 25b. And I'm going to finish with this. And then we'll close shortly. But encourage. Say encourage. Encourage. It says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's drawing near, people. The day of his return is drawing near. And we cannot underestimate the importance of us drawing close to God or, come, or like I said, just being here. We cannot underestimate the importance of coming to church and encouraging one another. We cannot underestimate that because if we do, then we'll miss it. We'll simply miss out on the things of God. Let's face it. You know, how do you encourage people naturally? You know, how, does someone, how would someone encourage you? A kind word, a simple phone call to say, how you are doing? Or a simple visit. Or hey, let's go out and get something to eat. Just being kind to people is what it's almost like as if sometimes in the body of Christ, we're only thinking about ourselves and we've forgotten about that. But in conclusion, we have to learn how to come together. We have to learn to work together. We have to learn to spur one another on. Can you say amen to that? And let me give you this again. So for your notes, just to make sure you have it written down. The first point we said was let us draw near to God. So we draw near to God. Let us hold fast to our faith. In other words, we're holding. Remember we said, let us hold on, hold fast. I also said, let us consider, consider what? How to spur one another on, how to encourage you. Don't give up, stay in the fight. You're a winner, you're not a quitter. We said that. Also we said, let us not give up meeting together. Again, any opportunity that the doors are open, I encourage you, come on man, let's get together. And lastly, we said this, let us encourage one another and all the more so we can see that the day is approaching. And whether we realize it or not, the day is approaching. The season is at hand and we need to remember that God is concerned about us. But not only is he concerned about us, he's concerned about others. He cares about others. Say so he cares about others because he's faithful. So I encourage you, just a couple more scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's turn there, and then we're going to go ahead and finish up. Here it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans. Say, I know the plans. I know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Look at that. God is saying that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper Plans to not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I thank you, Lord, that you are concerned about every one of us. He's concerned about you. Say he's concerned about me, and say this with me: that he has a plan for my life. And I know this: no matter what you're going through, it's not so hard, or it's not impossible, where God cannot help you through it. Here's the truth of the scripture, and I love this: Philippians 2:13. It says this: For God is working in you. He's given you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes with me? I just wanted to share with you what's on my heart and how that man—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not easy. We're going through things where, man, there's difficulties, things that are happening all around us. But it's—it's. It's, It's not easy. At times we do get discouraged and at times we do feel like we want to quit. But I want to encourage you to hold on to don't quit. To don't give up. To don't throw in the towel. You may be going going through something right now. I don't know what it is. It could be a physical challenge. It could be a financial challenge. It could be an emotional one. But I submit to you today that you're my brother and you're my sister. And I'm praying for But what I want us to do, not just have leaders praying, but I want us to pray for one another. I want us to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to be mindful of one another, to say, if they have a need, then I have a need. If they're going through a difficulty, then I'm going through a difficulty. Because here's what I know, and I speak this over you, that let us not become weary in doing well, doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest But listen, we'll be rewarded, and if we do not give up, come on, we do not give up, we will be rewarded. And so I encourage you this morning as I pray, Father God, I thank you for everyone here today listening to the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father, for those who are listening to the CD as well, that you'll minister to them, that you'll strengthen them, that you'll help us to understand that, yes, we're in a race, And that, Father, you've prepared us to run this race and to persevere and not quit. To persevere and not quit. But this is how I want us to close this morning. If you'll stand up with me. And right next to you.